following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 3, and 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We're going to take a look at these two uh, portions of Scripture this morning uh, as we get into the message. But have you ever wondered about the use of some things? I had... uh, um, I've had people ask me before if my tape measure maybe was not working right. There was a young man that worked in our crew one day because he, and he pulled my tape measure out and he came up to me and he said, I fixed your tape measure. And if, if any of you builders have ever used a tape measure and had some ding-dong come up to you and say, I fixed your tape measure, perhaps you know where I'm going. But he took a... He took a uh, nail set, and he said that the end of my tape measure was loose, the little metal piece, the little hooky part. He said it was loose. And so he took a nail set and tapped it tighter for me. Wasn't that a blessing? And I said, well, you can have that tape measure because it will no longer work properly. And he said, well, it's not supposed to be loose, is it? I said, yes, because when you hook on and when you butt up against something, it will change the dimension by about a sixteenth if it is not loose to be able to move. Well, I didn't know that. I can tell you wouldn't have fixed my tape measure had you known this. And so I said, you can have that one. And we went on about our business doing the rest of the work. If people understand the use of something, maybe they're a little less likely to do something like that. There are a lot of things uh, uh, the, the, uh, from the metal piece there. Did you know that that little metal piece at the end of a tape measure, it can actually be used. It's serrated typically. They're serrated on the edge, and that's on purpose so that you can score things with the tape measure. You can grab the measurement, and you can score right along through there. There's a little hole in the little metal portion, the little hook at the end of a tape measure, so that you can hook over top of a nail. If you're trying to grab hold and measure something, you can put a nail in the board, and you can hook on to that. There are several little things on there uh, that's that's purposeful, and most times people will look at something like that, and they say, well, I, I don't know why it's like that, but it's like that. For example, many people walk around with a pair of jeans that has a small pocket inside of the, uh, their front pocket, and they have no idea why in the world would any idiot make a pocket that small, not realizing that that was made for pocket watches so that people, when they carried pocket watches, could put it in that small pocket so that it wouldn't go into the pocket and keys would scratch it up. And so understanding some of those little nuanced things, in our world today, there are many things that have lost 
their use and people don't really understand their original function. One such thing that has lost its original function is, in its, in its proper uh, understanding is that of the local New Testament church. Now, we talked about the identity of the church last week, and I want to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper. And um, many times after attending, a, uh, after attending a church, people walk away with the idea that they know what's wrong with that church and what it should be doing differently, where it should be reaching, how it should be acting, what's it, what, it's, what it's not doing right, and where's, where it's going wrong, and all these different things. And, and it's important for us to understand the function of the church. One little boy, after attending church one Sunday morning, he went home and he knelt down by his bedside and he prayed. He says, dear Lord, it was good to be at church today. We had a wonderful time. It sure would have been nice if you were there. I wonder how many times that could be echoed. You see, it's important for us to understand the importance of the church, we discussed the first week of the year, we, we looked at it very closely, and if the church is not important to us, the identity would really not be all that significant to us, and if the identity is not significant to us, then you and I are quickly going to disagree about the function or what the church should be doing. You and I are going to quickly disagree if we don't have the same understanding of where the church came in, why it's important, and who guides the church, the whole identity of it. If we don't understand that, we don't have a good concept there, then we're going to be determining things based on our own perceptions, our own interests. We'll have different opinions determining uh, the best use, uh, and this is going to be a disagreement amongst many different people. So it's amazing what happens, though, when you look at the designer and his purpose, so look with me, if you would, at 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and stand with me, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter number 3, look at verse 14. Paul writing says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Jumping over now to 2 Timothy chapter 4, just a couple pages over. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number one, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Father, bless we pray the reading of your word, and Father, remove me from the situation that the word of God would be clearly presented. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we ended up last week with one basic uh, statement uh, about the identity or the purpose of the church. And, and now we're going to look at this basic statement, this sort of uh, mission statement, vision statement uh, that we're going to try to uh, uh, put out there this year. Uh, we're going to look at this and, and try to develop some of that um, function based off of the identity that we had gotten into last week. And so as we look at the function today, I want you to notice that there are some connections that are being made here. And, and 
as I look around, you know, it, I, I walk through the world today, and one thing I am, I am certain of, one thing I see very quickly when you walk onto a college campus, you go down to the mall, just walk through the mall, one thing you'll note very quickly, people in this world are lost. Now, I want you to understand what I mean by that because I do mean that they are lost in a spiritual sense. They have no understanding. Many people in this world have no knowledge of Jesus Christ. What little knowledge that they have of him is not accurate. They're lost in a spiritual sense. But I want you to understand that they are lost in another sense that they have absolutely no guidance, no direction, no understanding of the way that they should go and the way that they should make, uh, make it through this world. They're wandering about with no guidance and no authority and no purpose. And it breaks my heart to think of the countless young people who accept the, uh, who, um, uh, who look and enter into the workforce with no idea of what it means to, to follow leadership, no idea of work ethic, no drive, no ambition. I actually saw a sign where a butcher uh, was hiring, and uh, he basically said, if you don't know how to live without your phone, you don't know how to show up on time, you don't know how to get into the car, you don't know how to do this, just don't apply. <laughs> Be able to show up and just work. And it's amazing sometimes the way that we uh, we see what's going on around our life, and it reminds me of Mark chapter 6, and if you want to look there with me, Mark chapter 6, Jesus saw the same thing in his day saw the exact same thing taking place that is taking place here and now. And if you look at, at, at uh, Mark chapter 6, look at verse uh, 34 with me. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. You see, we ended up last week with uh, this purpose statement that we exist to sustain the worship of our God, equip the believers to live in, the, in God's image, and reach others with the gospel of Christ. Jesus saw what we can see today. He saw it in his day, people wandering about as sheep with no shepherd. And what does he do? He doesn't schedule a, uh, uh, he doesn't schedule a, uh, a self-help group. He starts to teach them. He doesn't even organize a coat closet or a, a feeding pantry. He starts to teach them. Now, granted, as you look through this, he does meet their physical needs. And if you were to follow through in Mark chapter 6, you'll find right after this, he tells everybody to sit down and feeds the 5,000 right here in the passage that we're looking at. But not at the sake of the teaching. Not at the sake of instructing people and giving them what they need most. What they needed most was not bread and fish. What they needed most was a guide and a teacher. 
And if you were to go back on our uh, to our uh, uh, our passage this morning, First Timothy chapter three, you're going to see who that teacher ought to be. And Paul is talking to uh, Timothy here. He says, "If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth." Beloved, everything that we do ought to be centered around this. He fed the people. He fed the multitudes, not because what they needed most was something to eat, but because they weren't going to pay attention when they're sitting around hungry, and he needed them to be able to hear what he was telling them. He fed them, and he met their physical need so that he could meet their spiritual need. Same thing taking place when he's healing the blind, and he's healing the leper, and he's healing the uh, the the uh, uh, the cripple, the lame man, couldn't walk. He says, let me help you. And the way to reach them, he used the physical so that he could get to the spiritual. But in churches, so often we get ourselves backwards and it's good for us to take a moment to remember and remind ourselves of what we're truly supposed to be doing before we put any feeding, before we put any physical, before we do any of these other things, it needs to have the desire, the outcome should be a desire for people to know Jesus Christ. If we have a wonderful event, but nobody finds out who Jesus is, we failed. All the work and all the effort that we can put into in all the different areas of ministry, if we do not fulfill our number one priority, the worship of God, be, uh, developing people more into the image of God, and also de- getting people that don't know Jesus Christ to know who that is. If we're not fulfilling that, why are we doing it? What is the, what is the purpose you can go to the to the local Rotary Club if you're just looking for philanthropy. We can join the YMCA if we're just looking for something to do. The local library has a lot of events that we can take our kids to. It's about him. And it's got to be about him. That's where we have to maintain our focus. Mark 6.34 is an echo of Matthew 9.36 and, and this is the world that we live in, and instead of catering more to the wants of the itching ears of the day, we need to be shepherding this lost generation. Instead of complaining about them, we should be trying to reach them and minister to them. It's one thing for us to complain about a generation of people that are growing up not knowing how to do things or not knowing. Do you realize something that there's a, there's a disconnect here when we start to point fingers and we don't recognize that we're the ones that have, have left them seeking, seeking answers from other people? We need to be out there actively teaching them. We need to be actively showing them the right way. Uh, do, you, do you realize that Generation Z, over 60% of, of Gen Z claims no religious affiliation? 60%. That means if you have 10 people, six of them have no religious affiliation at all. That ought to do something to us, folks. That ought to wake us up to something. Now, we can sit around, we can complain. Or we can take responsibility and get involved in this thing. 
Start helping people see. And I believe wholeheartedly one of the reasons why we have people today who are going completely non-religious, completely non-belief system, completely away from the church, grabbing a hold of anything that feels good, anything that looks good, anything that sounds good, or just nothing at all, is because we have left them empty. We have told them about the goodness of God, but then when they watch our life, we don't live the goodness of God. We have told them about the changing power of Jesus Christ, but when they watch our life, we don't show them the changing power of Jesus Christ. Dad, how do I know how to live like a child of God? We should be able to say, by watching me, son. Can we, though? Can we? Well, nobody can say that. Paul did. Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Jesus Christ. But here's the caveat that we usually give. Well, son, only follow me as I'm following Jesus Christ. Don't follow me the rest of the time. When's he supposed to know? Maybe if we took it a little more seriously and we actually made it our life's goal to follow Christ as closely as we can, then we could honestly say, follow me and do what I do. I'm praying, son, you should be praying too. I'm reading, son, you should be reading too. You see the way I respond to that guy that wasn't very nice to me? That's the way you should respond. Instead, what do they learn? They learn how to be a jerk on the road. They learn how to, how to take advantage and here, you know, uh, son, I know you're 13 years old, but uh, children's admission is 12 and under, so I need you to be 12 today. <laughs> no, Dad, uh, I got a 12-year-old. No, I'm 13. When did you turn 13, you know? <laughs> My birthday, Dad, <laughs> about four months ago. I've been 13 for a while. What do they learn from us? They learn probably not what they should be learning. And so it takes us back to everything that we do being based off of who we are. We are the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. We're his family. We're his family, the pillar and ground of truth. Now, Let's look at these uh, things that we have in our statement uh, before us there. Uh, we exist to sustain the worship of God. Uh, let's look at that one first, worship of God. We make uh, corporate worship a priority in our church. We do this on purpose. I want you to understand that corporate worship is not something that we do because we have to so that we can get to the fellowship. Listen, my friends, if there comes a time where we have to cancel one or the other, I'm canceling the fellowship before we cancel corporate worship. If it comes time where we have to cancel uh, some sort of fun event or cancel church service, we're canceling the fun event before we cancel church service. We are here to worship Jesus Christ. That's why we exist, to sustain that worship. That's why we come together. Oh, well, oh, nobody's singing happy birthday to me. I'm sorry. Talk to me after church. I'll sing happy birthday, or I'll get Brother Dale to come sing it for you. But I'm here to tell you right now, I came to worship Jesus. One famous pastor had a, uh, 
had a, a relative, I believe it was actually his brother, come and preach for him one day when he was going to be out of town. People came to church, they showed up, and then they realized that this pastor was not the one preaching today. So some of them started to get up and make their way to the door because I came to hear the famous guy. And he simply got behind the pulpit and said, those who came to worship the pastor are dismissed. Those who came to worship God can stay. <laughs> that ought to be the way. I remember one of my former pastors saying time and time again when he was going to be out of town, look, I'm going to have people in the pulpit be here. Just because I'm not here doesn't mean you don't need to be here. We need to make the worship of God a priority. A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, what is worship? Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of the most ancient mystery, the majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father who art in heaven. You hear the depth in that? For most people, he is unknowable. We call him daddy. Most religions, he is too far off. For us, he is near. For other, other people in this world, they have to work to get to him. He did all the work so that we could come freely. We, and we get the privilege of worshiping that God. All the events of our church must have one main common theme. That's glorifying God. You know, I, I know I, I've made many changes to the order of service through the years. And, and some people are like, I just got accustomed to this order of service. Now what are we doing? I, I, I get that. I get that. But please understand that it's not just a wild hair that I had to pull, okay? Every time I come to worship, my mind, and some of you are laughing because I'm bald and I don't have a hair to pull. I get it, all right? But every time I come to worship, I think to myself, what, what can we do better? What would divert our attention more to the person of Christ? How can I more see Jesus elevated and lifted up? How can we do that? Well, by finding fresh ways, maybe. I don't know. But I know one thing's for sure. When worship becomes about what I like, what I want, what I enjoy, what I want to hear, what I think we need to do, or hurry it up. Worship has changed. Worship's changed. You see, we need to make corporate worship a priority. When a church spends 45 minutes giving a concert and only 10 opening the word of God, you tell me what's most important. So we base everything that we do on our goal of worshiping him. We make worship a priority, not just corporately, but we need to make worship a priority familially. 
We cannot expect families of the church to make worship a priority when we don't make it a priority, all right? And we can't expect our children to make it a priority when we don't make it a priority. This is what we need to understand. This is why our church constitution, we have a covenant involved in it. And one of the covenant, the parts of the covenant says that we, we promise, we make a covenant with one another to maintain secret and family devotions. We're promising to do this. So if you're born again by the Spirit of God and you have attached yourself as a member of Liberty Bible Church, do you realize that you made a promise to the rest of the church that you would maintain personal devotions? Are we? Are we spending time in the Word of God regularly, personally? Or is Sunday morning when we try to find our Bible again? Anybody see my Bible this week? You should have. Anybody know where my Bible is? You should know. Let's look at the second part of this. The second part of this being equipping believers to live in the image of God. Now, again, these things kind of go hand in hand with one another. Family devotions and family worship, you know, singing songs together. This is why there are times like this right now. We've got children in here. You want to know one of the reasons we do this? Because it is important for the kids to see mom and dad worshiping. It is important for the kids to get to, uh, to go home and say, dad, what was the pastor talking about? I've got the little notepads all through, and one of those notepads uh, is for kids, and it even has a spot in there, words I didn't understand or words I don't know. They can jot it down, and when you're on your way home, they can say, Dad, what does propitiation mean? And when Dad goes, huh? And Mom explains what propitiation means because she's got her cell phone out while he's driving, and she's looking it up and act like, yeah, y'all thought I was going to give it to you. No. You ain't no better than we are. Google's made everybody lazy, right? I got an app for that. I don't have to learn any new words. I got an app. Before too long, we're just going to be tapping and then just, you know, letting everybody hear what we have to say. But when the kids are on their way home, talking, it's, it's important and we do this. But we worship together. How are we doing at that? How are we equipping believers to live in the image of God? What are we doing to help along those lines? This is one of the reasons that we have multiple services, multiple opportunities. As a pastor, I get many requests. I can't tell you how many times I've had someone say, hey, pastor, would you preach on fill in the blank? I I can't fulfill all those requests. I I know that there are many needs within within the life of the church, But if all we have is the one opportunity, what am I to do? And so we have Sunday school, we have Wednesday night, we have Sunday night. Many opportunities for people to be able to come in, get involved, to learn more. Brother John puts together a great Sunday school lesson, 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Get on up there. Get in the Word of God. More and more and more. The... um, the corporate worship is wonderful, and the personal worship is wonderful, but this getting together, this smaller uh, group, this smaller body of believers, everyone getting together for a specific reason helps to sharpen us. You see, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen tells us that when we get together, we sharpen one another. 
The more we get together, the sharper we get. So the more I am teaching, uh, under the teaching of God's word, the more I am uh, uh, around other believers, the more like Christ I become. Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand, I understand providential hindrances. I get that. I, I understand that people are providentially hindered from being part of the local New Testament church in every facet that they want to. Every opportunity they want, they don't get to come. They can't make it for every single service. I get that. But realize what providential hindrance is. Providence a hindrance because of the circumstances God has placed you in. Back when COVID hit and we started coming back to church, you know how many, how many people were saying, well, I'm trying to be safe, so I'm not going to go to church, but they were at O'Charlie's? That waitress, I don't care what you think, once she goes to the back, that mask getting still up there, and she sneezed all over your food. At least in church, you didn't have people sneezing on you. Well, I'm providentially hindered. Be careful with that. I ran into a Sunday school teacher one time. Man, where you been? I said, peanut butter. He said, peanut butter? I said, yeah, I can give you any other excuse to be just as good. I haven't been in church. He said, we just need to be honest. Don't, don't dress it up as something that it's not. Amen. Reaching others with the gospel of Christ is, this, is the third part of this. You see, we, the church's function in sustaining the worship of God being providing opportunities, but then the more I'm under the teaching of God's word and around other believers, the more like him I become because that iron sharpening iron. But then also we reach others with the gospel of Christ by introducing them to the goodness that is the gospel goodness it is in there. Think about it for just a moment. Get this for just a second here. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that you were alienated from him, but Christ has become your substitutionary sacrifice so that you can have a relationship with God. You were once bound for hell under the wrath of Almighty God, but now you have been placed as a co-heir with Christ. You who were once separated from life have been given eternal life. You who once had the determination and the destination of living your own self because of the gospel can change you so that you no longer live for you, but you live for him. This is what the gospel does. How can I keep silent? How do we tell others about Christ? How do we reach others with the gospel? By sharing it. I don't know how simpler we can make it. We get into these uh, ideas where things are, have got to be so more difficult or so more uh, so, such a bigger thing than it really is. My friend, it's simply this. Do you know Jesus? And if the answer is no, can I tell you about him? How much simpler is that? 
But mainly, people have different reasons for not sharing the gospel. One of those reasons being, well, I'm afraid I might do more damage than good. How? If you're standing on the sidewalk and you look out in the road and there's a person standing in the road and there's a semi on its way and it's going to hit that person and you see the semi coming, you see the person, you see the semi, what are you going to do? Well, I might, I might do more damage than good if I warn them. So I'm just going to stand here and be quiet. Yell! There's a truck coming! Move! Well, I don't want to do more damage. Or how about this one? I, well, I don't want to offend anyone. Look, if I'm ever standing in the highway and a semi is on its way to run me over, do me the favor and offend the bejesus out of me because I want to get out of the road. Don't worry about hurting my feelings none. Matter of fact, if you want to come on out and tackle me, you're welcome to do it. Get me out of the road. Do whatever it takes. If my family's standing in the road. Don't worry about offending me trying to reach them. Get them. Well, what if they don't like me? I can promise you something. You try to save me or my family from death, if I don't like you, that's evidence of what kind of person I am, not you. I've taken the first classes, CPR and things like that. Do you realize that people sue people for saving their lives? Is that intelligent? This person, he, he broke my rib. You're here. You're alive. You're able to talk to the person. And the only thing you can think to say is, how dare you hurt me? That hurt. You were dead. You don't know it hurt. Break the rib. And everybody thinks to themselves, you know, that is pretty stupid for someone to get mad at you for trying to save their life. Well, then why are you worried about someone getting mad at you for trying to save their eternal soul? As a church, we offer opportunities for this. We have fellowship meals, special events, studies to get, get involved in, uh, give people a way to encourage one another, uh, to go out and invite and encourage their friends and their family members and people that they know. Uh, do, do you want to know more about what we have to offer? Come on out tonight. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. You know, I spent two days in Matthew's schools this week just hoping to build connections with, with the teachers and the, uh, the uh, workers, the custodians, the, uh, the support staff, just hoping to build relationships with them. I don't know. There might be a day where, God forbid, one of them have a difficult time. They may not know where to turn, but they remember that one goofy pastor that came. Maybe he can help we get the opportunity to share Christ with them. We've got a each one reach one coming up here before too long. Brother Dale was talking about that. Let me ask you, have you figured out who you're going to invite? Have you invited them yet? We've just got a couple weeks left. Who are you bringing with you? 
You see, everything that we do, why are we having a fellowship meal, Pastor Andy? Well, for one, I'm fat. I like food. Back off me. But because I know sometimes it makes it a little easier for someone to want to come. Come on out. We'll feed you. Hey, you know, you don't even have to wait for a fellowship. Did you know that you could invite someone to church and then tell them, I tell you what, you come to church and I'll take you to lunch afterwards. You can say, we're on our way to lunch. I'm going to take you to Chick-fil-A. Then when you get there and find out it's closed, you don't have to buy lunch. You know? I'm kidding. Take them somewhere good, though. Take them somewhere good. So looking at all of this, James Packer, in his book, Your Father Loves You, says this, to worship God is to recognize his worth. To look Godward and to acknowledge in all appropriate ways the value that we see. The Bible calls this activity glorifying God or giving glory to God and views it as the ultimate end and from one point of view, the whole duty of man. Scripture views the glorifying of God as a sixfold activity. You ready? Praising God for all that he is and all his achievements. Thanking God for his gifts and his goodness to us. Asking him to meet our own and others' needs. Offering him our gifts, our service, ourselves, learning of him from his word, read and preached, and obeying his voice, telling others of his worth, both by public confession and testimony to what he has done for us. Thus, we might say that the basic formulas of worship are these, Lord, you are wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Please, Lord. Take me, Lord. Yes, Lord, Listen, everybody, that's worship. Not just something that we do on Sunday morning. We as a church exist to help that be sustained all week long. And so the things that you learn here, well, pastor, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't even know what to teach my friends or what to tell them. I don't have a copyright on what I'm telling you. Take it and tell somebody else. So let me ask you just a few questions and we'll be finished here. First, ask yourself how important the worship of God is to you. How important is the worship of God? Is it something that we just add to our life? Is it just part? You know, I, I, I like a church that worships God, but I really want one that has bingo. I like a church that worships God, but I want one that has a fellowship meal every Sunday. That's what I do. How important is worshiping God to you? What part are you serving? How are you helping to sustain the worship? Are you here? You might be here physically. Are you here mentally, spiritually, emotionally? That's, just, that's helping to sustain the worship of God. Are you available during those various activities of the church life? 
How are you equipping other believers? How are you encouraging people to grow? Are you inviting them? Are you ensuring this welcoming place? How are you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people? How are you doing that? As I said just a moment ago, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said this, he said, be followers of me as I am of Jesus Christ. I think it's time for the church to be able to say that. You in the world, be followers of us. Not the other way around. And way too many churches today, instead of leading, are following the demands of this world. The world wants us to to ignore Scripture. The world wants us to do things the way they like it. The world wants us to cater to them. The world wants us to change for them. The world wants us to be more accepting of sin. No. It's time for the church to stand up and say to the world, Be followers of us as we are of Jesus Christ. All we do as a church has this main theme and central focus. And so let's let everything that our hands find to do maintain a want and a praise for the worship of God. Father, we do desire to bring you honor and praise and glory. We do desire that you, Lord, would be seen high and lifted up. So God in heaven, what I'm asking is that you would prick in our hearts, help us to understand where it is that we're perhaps not uh, submitting to you. Help us to see where maybe we have made worship about ourselves or perhaps worship just become mundane and pointless to us. Help us to see your worth and your worthiness. Help us to understand how glorious you truly are. And Father, because of that, we will cry out to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Father, Father, remind us regularly for boldness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio. 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.